Welcome to the Daniel Artest Podcast. And today, oh uh, man, we have a tough episode. Um, it is the year anniversary of the death of the um, great Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna, John and Kerry Atabelli, and their daughter Alyssa Atabelli, Sarah Chester and her daughter Peyton Chester, Christina Mauser, and pilot Ara Zaboyan. Um, tragic day, man. And I guess I'll take y'all through. I was literally on a Sunday walk with my family where I got the news that Kobe Bryant, you know, um, passed away. And I was just in a state of shock. It was really hard to, 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 to believe, man. I had to really sit down and everything just slowed down and and then all of a sudden, I just wanted to get to the house. I just had to get to the house. And I don't know why. I just had to rush and get to the house. So we got to the house. And I just had to sit down on my couch and and, and just process this, that this um, actually happened. You know, and it was just a, a really sad day. And, you know, I'm just getting a lot of calls from my friends and everything. And, um, you know, a lot of Laker fans that I've befriended over the years that really was, um you know, was going through it. You know, we were sharing a lot of tears on the phone call, man. And, um. You know, my first time meeting Kobe was in 2009, and I met him at in Houston, actually, during the Western Conference semifinals uh, when my brother was playing for the Houston Rockets, and he play, was playing against the Lakers. Really tough, you know, seven-game series, and Ron and Kobe was going at it, man. And I met Kobe. I introduced myself. Hey, man, I'm, I'm Daniel. I'm, Mar- I'm Ron's brother. And um, he was just like, yo, man, <laughs> your brother's a bad motherfucker, man. You know, strong, you know what I mean? So it was actually pretty cool to hear that from from Kobe because, like, you know, I remember a couple of years before that when Ron played against Michael Jordan that um, Jordan was like, hey, I wish I would have played against Ron, you know, when I was younger. So to to hear that, you know what I mean? From two of the uh, greatest basketball players ever to to play this game was, you know what I mean? It was really dope. You know what I mean? So that was cool. And, you know, we took a picture and everything. And then um, a couple years later, we met again. We was at um, game seven of the NBA finals and just celebrating with him. You know what I mean? It was just really sur- surreal. It wasn't even, it didn't even look, it didn't even seem real, feel real that I'm actually in here, you know, Splash of champagne bottles with Kobe Bryant. You know, it was actually, it was really dope. And, um, you know, over the years, man, it was always, you know, a pleasure seeing him. You know what I mean? When I bring my friends to Staples Center to the games and stuff, he'll stop and take pictures and everything. And, um, you know, seeing his daughters and his family and everything. It was just, it was just really cool seeing him, his work effort that he put in on the, um, on the court, off the court. You know I mean? Just seeing everything that he do, it was just really dope. You know, I wasn't the biggest Kobe Bryant fan, you know, as a post player, man. If he wasn't Hakeem Olajuwon or Tim Duncan, you know what I mean, Shaq, you know what I'm saying? Like, those those were my guys right there. But just to see, you know, Kobe um, up close and personal with, you know, with training and everything, it really, i really grown to a lot, have a lot of respect and um, admiration, you know, for that man. And just seeing, like, everybody, you know, talk so glowingly about him that it was only right I do this podcast. And with this podcast, what I did was I've invited, you know, pretty much anybody that wanted to speak 
about Kobe Bryant, about the impact that Kobe Bryant had on basketball, had on their lives personally, any any stories that they wanted to share, like the floor is yours. And this is what I decided to do, you know what I mean, with my podcast and, sh- and share my platform to have um, all these great, you know, stories and, and um, you know, emotional stories from different people from all over the world. I mean, we're going as far as Finland and Australia, you know, from people, you know, leaving stories on how Kobe Bryant affected their life and they didn't, they didn't even met him. You know, they never met him. So with that being said, let's get into it. Rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace to Gianna Bryant. Rest in peace to John and Kerry Altabelli. Alyssa Altabelli, Sarah Chester, Peyton Chester, Christina Mauser, and Ira Zaboyan. Daniel Artest, Mark Medina here, NBA writer with USA Today. I'm real flattered that you reached out to me to go on the podcast. I always love talking with you about anything on the pod. Um, but it is bittersweet because it is about a pretty – Tough subject matter with the one-year anniversary of the passing of both Kobe and Gianna Bryant, as well as seven others, on a helicopter crash. And, man, it uh, it brings back so many different emotions. I mean, I can't help but think about the day of learning the news, covering the tragedy, covering the aftermath uh, at the Memorial, NBA All-Star Weekend, Kobe and Gianna's Memorial and then just trying to make sense of what has been what was the beginning of a really tough 2020 with the pandemic the state of politics uh the state of racism all that it's it's been quite a year but you know as this anniversary has approached i've thought of a number of things i mean one it was about learning the news i was at a shopping mall having a rare day off and a friend texted me the story and i was in denial about it because who would think of such a thing? And then I'm making calls to Lake, uh, people I know close to the Lakers, and they're not answering, and then one other person answering and saying, hey, i got to get back to you, and your heart's suddenly sinking because you think, oh, my gosh, this this is true. And so I, I drove to the crash site to talk to morning, morning Kobe and Gianna Bryant fans, went to the sheriff's press conference to get more information about the crash itself, I went back to the crash site to talk to more fans and the church in the canyon, uh, the small church there across from the site, it wound up being a a grieving center for a lot of fans just because of the proximity. And so they had a vigil service that night. So I went there. I went to the Mama Sports Academy in Thousand Oaks uh, to see more morning fans and also leaving their memorabilia outside of the building. And then, you know, just having to write a column about how, what to make sense of it. And I, this this is tragic enough, but I think the pain even deepened more for me because nine days before uh, the tragedy, I sat down with Kobe at his, uh, at his um, Costa Mesa office, and the subject matter was very much under the theme of his second act, how he's transitioned from post-NBA to all the things he's, he was doing with his storytelling projects and coaching Gianna, the sports academy he was overseeing, just all these things. And so I couldn't help but think, man, there's all this stuff that he wanted to do. He's so ambitious. He felt like he's just getting started. And all of a sudden, it's it's a life unfulfilled at 41 years old. Uh, so even though his, his Laker and NBA legacy speaks for itself with the five championships and the scoring records and the injuries he overcame and the generation of players he inspired – 
because he had so much that he wanted to accomplish in his second act, it's very tragic to say that his life wasn't fulfilled the way he had envisioned it, certainly. So that made the pain even more. And so I think about that, man. You know, we did a few anniversary stories where I talked with members of his alma mater at Lower Marion High School and the 1996 state title team that he was on there, um, just how they've tried to wrap their heads around it. I talked with Chad Faulkner, who oversees the Sports Academy, and he was a partner with Kobe at the Mama Sports Academy. So he called me up to speed on how, you know, the, the Academy's changed since then. They don't have the Mama name in there, um, but it's all been under the guise of they're are doing what the family's asked him to do with just being very respectful um, and all that and talking to the, the pastor, um, Pastor Bob at the Church in the Canyon on, you know, what he was trying to do to to help people grieve and then just talking to different Lakers, you know, talking to your brother Meta and talking to other NBA players and coaches. I mean, everyone knows this has happened. It's been a year, but it all still doesn't feel surreal. So the pain's been real. Uh, The days have been challenging. You relish onto the memories. You relish onto the the happy moments, the, the, the cool stories, but it's been tough all the way around. So, you know, and this, this goes for, you know, people who covered him, people who didn't really know him that well, just the whole world. And then you also talk about the NBA community and his teammates and his family that knew him. I mean, it's, it's so heavy, but it hits everyone in a different way. So it's cool that you're, uh, doing this podcast to, to get everyone's voices in and just allow you know everyone to to kind of grieve and, and share their thoughts and stories and memories love you man and uh continue to hang in there so growing up you know we grew up in uh some cities in la part of la county but i was never close to my mom's family but being a young kid the only like vivid memory i had of them was watching those three-peat Lakers. It was Kobe Bryant, Shaq, you know, greatest team I've ever seen. And then as I got older, like, Kobe just became God to me, being from L.A., loving basketball, loving sports. Kobe Bryant was everything to us. And then we got to see him win with Pau Gasol, and he represented so much to this whole state, but especially the city of Los Angeles, you know, and what he did for his community he gave back to everybody. He was honestly the greatest basketball player I've ever seen. The greatest. Wow. Kobe Bryant. It's it's hard to put in words what he meant because he was a man that just transcended everything that we know about sports and human beings. He was everything. Kobe was that guy. He had the it factor. He was the one that made us all better. I still remember growing up and everything I wanted to do. I had to have that Mamba mentality. I still remember rocking the Lakers jersey dresses because of Kobe. He was the guy that was unreachable and untouchable, yet the guy that was everyone's person because he just seemed so real. He, he showed us that it's okay to be imperfect. He showed us that being imperfect makes us human beings and that makes us perfect in our own rights. He was the greatest to do it. 
He was my generation's MJ. He was my generation's everything. Kobe was that guy. The beautiful family, the great basketball skills, speaking different languages. Kobe was transcending sports, winning Oscars. He was the black man that we saw greatness in. He was the guy that showed what black men can be. He was the guy that looked out for his culture. He was the dad, the girl dad that loved women's basketball, that wasn't afraid to scream it and shout it from the mountaintops. He was the dad that embraced his daughters, embraced having all girls. He was the dad that was never afraid of competition. He brought it on the court. He would trash talk with you. He would bicker with you. He would shoot it in your face. Kobe was the guy that could do it all on the basketball court. Kobe was the guy that could do it all. And when he was taken from us, it just showed us once again that life isn't fair. Our heroes are gone. They're taken way too soon. We weren't prepared, but yet his memory lives on. Kobe is the definition of what we do in life, echoes in eternity. What he did in life continues to echo throughout our eternity. Kobe will never be forgotten. Kobe was everyone's friend at the same time. People's enemies, because everybody wanted to be like Kobe, but we couldn't be like Kobe. Kobe was all and more. Kobe was, Kobe was everything. Kobe was our mamba. He inspired our mamba mentality. Kobe was LA and LA was Kobe. They became synonymous in the two. Kobe was the guy that was able to have an 81-point game. Kobe was the guy that was able to be a leader and be everyone's Superman, be everyone's Batman. Well, we all played Robin trying to rock with him and keep up with him and catch up with him. Kobe was the one that just showed us that nothing is impossible. Reaching what he did, doing what he did in his style and his grace, Kobe Bryant, we love you. We miss you. You'll never be replaced. You and Gigi will forever have a special place in our hearts. And thank you for sharing your life with us. Thank you for putting your life on full display. Gone, but never forgotten. Kobe Bryant's memory lives on. Whether that be eight or 24. Yo, what's going on? This is Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar, host of the Sports Kingdom show, a.k.a. the TSK show. A uh, little quick thing about Kobe and what he means to me. Honestly, he's uh, he's my superhero. He's my superhero. I didn't watch cartoons growing up. Uh, I watched Kobe and Shaq. Those were those were my Batman and Superman. And uh, Kobe, he's he's my hero. He he taught me love. He taught me passion. He taught me how to work for what you want and Mamba mentality and the constant quest to be the best version of oneself. And yeah, man, I miss Mamba every day. Rest in peace, Bean. Shout out to my brother, Daniel, man. Shout out to you for doing this, man. This is so special. And shout out to the podcast, man. Love what you're doing. My favorite Kobe memory or how much it means to me. Uh, hmm. In 2010, my grandma was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, she was really struggling a lot. But she would stay up and watch, you know, that playoff run with me, man. She would stay up and watch. She would watch the game with me. And slowly she started to, like, pick up on the game. And also, you know... She also became like kind of a little mini fan. And uh, unfortunately, she passed in the morning of game seven. 
And that was like the hardest day for me in my life. And um, watching that game was really hard to watch. But like, you know, we pulled out that win. And I kind of felt like my grandma kind of gave me a gift before she left. And I kind of felt like the Lakers and Kobe gave me a gift, you know, to, you know, honor my grandma's death. So it was cool. I was able to actually tell Kobe that in 2010, thanks to Daniel in his last game in D.C. So thank you, Daniel. Appreciate you, bro. Love you. And uh, rest in peace, Kobe, Gigi, and everybody lost their lives a year ago. <clears throat> One of my favorite Kobe Bryant moments, what he taught me, man, what I learned from Kobe Bryant was to never give up, keep pushing through any given situation, man. Like anytime I do a podcast, I watch film to get better on myself at podcasting and my YouTube journey that I'm on. And Kobe Bryant, the best Laker of all time, one of the best players of all time. Just his tenacity, his hustle, his grit, his grind, his demeanor, never give up attitude. And me, you guys not noticed, you guys don't have to believe me, and I'm keeping it 100. I have proof. Chloe Bryant followed me on Twitter, and me and Chloe Bryant had a conversation on Twitter. I have proof of that, and that's crazy that that happened. And just Kobe Bryant in general is a great person, and I'm going to miss him dearly. And Kobe Bryant's greatest player of all time, in my personal opinion, and um, my favorite Kobe Bryant moment of all time in 81-point game and getting revenge on Boston. Thank you, Daniel Artest. Appreciate you. Yo, what's going on? It's Kevin, a.k.a. KDOT. And I just want to leave this message for Kobe and Gigi. I appreciate everything you've done for the game. I appreciate everything you were doing with Gigi because I know she was going to be a phenomenal superstar ball player. And to be honest with you, because you were that good, I, I really thought that you were challenging MJ's legacy but in all actuality, you was the realest that could ever be. I appreciate you. And we definitely miss you dearly. So I just want to say thank you because you're inspiring everybody, even though you're gone. Yo, yo, yo. John from Whittier. What does Kobe mean to me? How much does Kobe mean to me? Such a loaded question. I mean, he was, he was literally a living legend. Easily the greatest Laker to ever live. Just watching him while I was growing up and into adulthood, he's responsible for so much joy and so many positive memories. Growing up, my pops would always try to instill a good work ethic. I mean, yeah, he said and did things and led by example, but Kobe was the one that actually made me believe it. He was the embodiment of hard work. <clears throat> it may not seem like a big deal, but by Kobe doing what he did throughout his career, it made me feel like anything was possible if I put my mind to it. Words can barely scratch the surface in regards to how much he meant to me. An inspiration is truly an understatement. You will forever be an idol of mine. I miss you, Kobe. They always say you don't appreciate something until it's gone. Kobe Bryant has really made me appreciate the game more than I ever could imagine. While he was living, I was so focused and wrapped up into my Washington Wizards that the only time I would watch him is when we played uh, us or if he played, you know, some iconic games on ESPN. But, man, he advanced the game, his mentality, his, his, his just his drive. 
and the way how he loved his daughters and pushed the game forward for the younger generation and the women is really inspiring me to kind of take that mantle and even challenge NBA players and giving them their Kobe challenge. So I miss him. I appreciate him. And I see why my grandfather, who just passed, wanted me to be such a Kobe fan and fanatic because of the drive, the passion, and the the will to win. Uh, Kobe meant a lot to me based off of how the way he carried himself and how the way he played the game, how the way he treated the game, how the way he maneuvered and everything. Um, just something like that was something that I appreciated and even brought in the coaching, you know, and have my girls study his game and how the way he approached uh, the game, but also in life too. He meant a lot to me in life because a lot of his messages and a lot of the ways he, he took, he, he carried himself is how the way you could think about it in life, how hard he worked and how hard he, he was determined to, you know, to accomplish things. And that was something I carried with me in life. And that, you know, it meant a lot to me. So, um, <clears throat> no, Kobe meant a lot to me, not only basketball wise, but in life and having the opportunity to meet him was, was amazing. This is Zach of the Off the Glass Podcast. My mom was a fan of no team, but a lover of basketball. And my memory for Kobe Bryant is not even so much what he did on the court. We know what type of basketball player he was, one of the all-time greats, five championships, league MVP, finals MVP, all-NBA, all-defense, etc. One of the best scorers, one of the best two guards to ever play the game. But for me, Kobe's impact really affected my life post-basketball as a young black man myself, former athlete, now as a husband and a father, to see how he conducted and carried himself after basketball, uh, being an ambassador for women's basketball through his daughter Gigi, uh, such a, you know, uh, a person of, what's the word I'm looking for, just a vision, you know, winning an Emmy with his series, his breakdowns on ESPN. You know, I, I often still look at some of his talks that he had, speaking very intelligent as a black male, as an athlete, just really affected me. You know, his business savvy, it was talks that he was getting ready to launch his old shoe line and just, you know, I was just more impressed and more uh, affected by Kobe post-career. You know, um, he was such a, what I call a cool nerd, somebody that had a style and a swagger, but also had a certain intelligence, a certain wisdom, the way he carried himself. He was wise beyond his years, spoke several languages, just super impressive. And in this day and age, you don't always see that representation of a black man front and center. And for him to be that model to represent those of us that are in that light, you know, because we're often framed in such a negative light with such an inspiration. So we miss you, Kobe. May you continue to rest in peace, you and your beautiful daughter and those all who were infected. Uh, let's not forget them because they were part of that tragedy as well. Prayers continue to go out to not only the Bryant family, but those families affected by that tragedy that happened a year ago uh, today. But, yeah, I'm going to always remember Kobe, the basketball player, of course. But the personal impact he had on me post-basketball is something I will carry with me forever. This is your host of Off the Class Podcast, Zach.
pace. This message is coming all the way from Finland. So growing up, basketball wasn't a big thing in my country. Me and my school friends, we never talk about basketball, but we all knew who Kobe was. He was probably the only player and the only thing we knew about NBA and basketball in general. And unfortunately, I didn't get to see any of Kobe's games live because I started watching basketball in 2018. But after studying the game, Kobe, he just stood out for me, even after he had retired. And that man was so inspirational on the court and off the court. And as someone who tries to learn a lot of languages, it's really inspiring to see that Kobe, he tried to learn these languages to trust talk the other players and stuff. And Whenever I'm feeling unmotivated, I just go to YouTube and I watch Kobe's interviews and inspirational speeches and that gives me extra strength to get through the day and now his jersey is hanging on my wall, so I'm wearing it proudly. Rest in peace, Kobe. Hey DA, thanks for inviting me on to um, share a few words from for the late, great Kobe Bryant. I'm Corey from the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast. Um... It's really hard to even put into words, you know, what Kobe really meant to me personally. You know, I've never been, a, I never was able to meet Kobe in person, but just following his career and, you know, just listening to some of the things that he would, you know, say, you know, the way he played, the way he approached the game. You know, he's the only reason why I even picked up a basketball you know, in the first place. And my background was in football. I, I played high school football, but, you know, just listening to Kobe and, you know, watching his him play and kind of grow up before our eyes is, you know, something that I never. Hey, Daniel, I just want to start off by saying thank you for this opportunity for us Kobe fan, Laker fans to voice what Kobe meant to us. I think it's you know, something amazing that you're doing. And I personally just want to thank you for this. So I'm going to try to keep it as short as possible. Um, I know that I can go on forever about what Kobe means to me. But for the sake of this, I'm going to try to simplify it as much as possible. So I guess to summarize it is Kobe is my idol. He is my inspiration for everything. He's why, you know, I am where I am today. He's why I fell in love with basketball at such a young age at that. Um, I, I played basketball throughout elementary, junior high, middle school through college. I'm now a girls varsity head coach. Um, basketball is my entire life and basketball was Kobe's entire life and you know that's why him being my all-time favorite player watching him as I grew up seeing the things he accomplished seeing the things he did seeing the things he was changing around the world he is why I love this game so much he is why I love what I do so much he's why I am fighting to be better every single day why I set these goals out for myself and I'm working towards them he's why I do what I do his mentality his fight his you know what he represented that's all instilled in me 
and it's something that will never ever go away. Um, I wish I had the opportunity to meet him and tell him personally thank you for everything you've done for me. Even though you have no idea who I am, but you know, unfortunately I never got that chance and you know, a year later it, it doesn't feel real. I don't think it ever will. I don't think I'll ever come to terms with it. But I will learn to manage it and learn how to cope with it because I think that's what Kobe would want. I don't think he would want us to be sad our entire lives. Um, that's not the kind of person he was. And I know his wife and his girls are amazing. They're so strong. And I know that he's giving them strength. Him and Gigi are giving them strength. And I feel like even though he doesn't know, you know, I exist in this world, I feel like he's somehow giving me strength too. And, you know, that that's that's what I'm going to hold on to to keep moving forward in life. Um, I don't think... I necessarily have enough words to go on about, you know, what specifically, you know, each accomplishment he did meant to me. But I think as a whole, everything that he did from breaking records to winning championships to winning an Oscar to becoming an author being the kind of dad he was, being the kind of person he was, leading the change in women's basketball, I, I just, everything he's done has made such a big impact in my life that somehow I want to continue, I, I, I guess, lead by example on what he's taught me. And, you know, being a coach... I think that starts with me, you know, teaching my athletes what it means to work hard, to never give up, to always be the best version of you. Um, you know, I tell my athletes that Mamba mentality, find it and never let go of it. And if I can just impact a small group of kids every year, then so be it but at least I'm trying to make a change like Kobe did and oh it's so hard to talk about him but um Kobe will never be forgotten in my heart in my life he will always be my idol I don't like to say he was my idol I, I say he is my idol because he is you know he always will be what he lived for will always be there and I'm never gonna forget I'm never ever gonna forget what he's done for me um I wish he wasn't taken from this world 
as soon as he was. Kobe was supposed to be invincible in everybody's eyes. He was going to live forever. But unfortunately, we're, we are where we are today without him, without Gigi, without, you know, the rest of those people on in that accident. And, you know, life keeps moving forward, but that doesn't mean that his memory and his legacy is going to be forgotten because, you know, legends never die. And he was absolutely 100% a legend. And he left a legacy. And I think that's something that all of his fans and all the Laker fans, I think that's something that we need to cherish and appreciate. And adopt, I guess. I think we all need to strive to be the best versions of ourselves, to be the best kind of people we can be for Kobe. Because I know that's the kind of people he wanted in this world. And so with that, I guess I'm, you know, going to wrap it up and to say I, I miss I miss him so much. I wish he was still here on this earth. Um, I miss his wise words all the time. I miss his, you know, his words to keep us going. But I know that he is... I know he's still living through all of us. And I'm so thankful and grateful that I got to experience Kobe in my lifetime. And that's something I'm never going to forget. So, Kobe, Gigi, we miss you. We love you. We wish you were still here with us. To Kobe, uh, I'm sorry, to Vanessa his three beautiful girls that are still here. My heart is with you. You guys are amazing and strong. And I hope these days continue to get better for you guys. Daniel, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, I, I think this podcast episode is going to be amazing. I can't wait to hear everybody's stories about Kobe. And just thank you. I love Kobe Bryant. He's always been my favorite basketball player since I was a child. So growing up, he's always been my inspiration in basketball. Um, He's just someone different to me, like just different in the way he plays the sport. And he just means a lot to me. He always will mean a lot to me. And I miss him and I love him so much. Um, He's always going to be in my heart. And um, since he's passed away, it just hasn't been the same. And um, he's just always been someone that I've looked up to, one of the people I've looked up to, one of the athletes I've looked up to in my life. So um, 
yeah, but I miss him and I love him always. And yeah. Thank you, Daniel, for this opportunity for me to express my admiration for Kobe. Um, I have been a huge diehard fan of Kobe's ever since the beginning. I've, I have followed his career the whole time and he has been my favorite and his death really impacted me. Um, it was really a hard time and coming up to this anniversary, I know it's going to be even harder. Like it's so, it, it seems like he grew up with me and he was like a family member that he never knew, but it, and it, that's how it impacted me. Like it was just so surreal and, you know, Everybody around me knew how much I loved him and they called me and everything. And, you know, they was just expressing their gratitude for me because they knew how much I love Kobe. So thank you for this. And yeah, it's really going to be hard. And Hello, my name is Iman. I'm a co-host of Dishes and Dimes and the host of The Morning Tip-Off. It's hard for me to put into words what Kobe Bryant has meant to me. It's something I've thought a lot about. It's something I'm going to continue to think a lot about. And it's tough because when he passed, there was this shock that I think a lot of us felt because at least I thought that Kobe was invincible. He wasn't mere mortal. He can't just pass like that so suddenly as well. But the more that I've sat and thought about it, I realized Kobe's so human. Kobe is the most human celebrity we have. When you think about all that encompasses Kobe Bryant, the on-court and off-the-court stuff, the good and the bad, that's what makes up a human. The way that he's matured and the way that he's grown from it especially. That growth there, that maturity is what makes him human. And even when you talk about his on-the-court just specialty <laughs> i don't know another word to really put it I'm, I'm not saying that kobe isn't god gifted because of course he was he was incredibly athletic he was just such a talent and so incredibly special but he also worked harder than anyone on the court and what's more human than that what's more human than saying i'm gonna put the work ethic and that's why i'm gonna be better than you because i'm gonna try harder than you because i'm gonna want it more than you that's something that all of us can implement in our lives the greatness of Kobe was that he was human. The weaknesses of Kobe was that he was human. It's what made him. And I think that's what makes him so incredibly special. And that's without even getting into Gigi and the next generation of women athletes that he was inspiring, girl athletes that he was inspiring. And um, on a day like today, I just want to Send my love, my thoughts, and my prayers to everybody who knew Kobe, everybody who's mourning Kobe, every fan of Kobe's, everyone who rooted against Kobe, because every story needs a hero and a villain, and nobody played it better than Kobe Bryant. What he means to basketball fans of this generation is something that can't ever be touched. So, with love, um, goodbye, everybody. Kobe Bryant introduced me to the game of basketball when I was... 12 years old, um, a kid here in the Netherlands grows up loving soccer and I didn't know anything about basketball really. So I see Kobe on TV and he was a rookie and he, he stated that he wanted to be the best of all time. 
And you could say that's cocky. But to me, man, that was so confident. He was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be the best of all time. So I'm watching him, following along his career. And he did just that. He became the GOAT, the Black Mamba, the best basketball player of all time. I'm not discussing it any other way. Um, Daniel, I thank you for doing this. Tell your brother Ron I said hi. I love Kobe Bryant. I love him and I miss him. Mamba forever. This is Brian H. Waters here from the wrestling realm and from Breaking Through Glass Seals. Kobe Bryant has been my favorite player ever since I started really watching basketball for and understanding the details. Of course, when you watch it, you see Michael Jordan, and that's the popular guy. But Kobe Bryant was the first person that I felt was my favorite player alone. Everybody after the Jordan era would have their own favorites, but for me it was Kobe. And then to see his work ethic, playing with a broken finger and winning a championship, or when he went up went against Shaq, saying like, "Hey, you know what? I want my team." And to see him put the team on his back, he just embodied everything that was Mamba mentality, and he will always be missed. Two great Kobe memories, man. There's one game that a lot of people don't talk about. It was against um, <clears throat> it was against Seattle with uh, Ray Allen. I used to love it when he'd play Ray Allen because Ray was brutal with him on defense. He was really like he just gave him troubles. And this particular game, he came out and shot like nine threes in a row. I was just out of college with my buddies, and we were going nuts. We had such a fun night. It was like the kind of night that Kobe gives you with his skill and his dedication. It was just we were so proud just to be Laker fans. It was so funny how that can happen. But then the other memory, I actually I always had a, a feeling that I was going to be able to ask him about this one day. And, of course, I never was because uh, I've never met the man. Um, but on September 12th, uh, 2001, um, the day after the attacks, um, I was driving south on the 110. This beautiful uh, silver Mercedes came next to me. And, uh, you know, you remember what it was like at that time. It was, you know, everyone was equal. Everyone was scared. Everyone was sad. And I was heading down south to go see the folks. And the freeway was empty, absolutely empty. And I was driving, and I was like, oh, that's a beautiful Mercedes next to me. And, you know, in those days, remember, everyone would give each other the nod, like, yep, this sucks. Uh, we're Americans. We're in this together. We'll come out of it. Remember that? Everyone had the flags on their cars. I looked over, and and the windows were a little dark, and, and I was little inside my own head but i looked over and i was like motherfucker I, I swear to god that's kobe bryant i said i'm not crazy right like that's kobe but the funny thing was because it was september 12th it, despite my being a huge basketball fan i i didn't get uh, overwhelmed or or i wasn't starstruck i you know i was just kind of like in this moment we are in the exact same boat, you know what I mean? Like someone where <laughs> normally there'd be no boats that we're in. I don't wake up at 4 o'clock and start working on my craft, you know? I'd Like, we're not in the same boat. But in that one moment, it was just like I looked over, 
and I nodded. You know, I did the slow nod, <clears throat> and he looked back, and he did the slow slow nod, and it was just kind of one of those moments where it was like, we're, you know, we're all in this together. And, you know, he kind of zoomed off. And I was, I always wanted to, to find out if that was him, to, to find out if he was at Staples Center the day after that attack. Because it was a cool moment in, in that, you know, I mean, everyone talks about how brilliant the man was. And, you know, to, to be that smart and that brilliant, he knew he was better than everybody else. But he would also know when there was times that everyone was equal in a certain way, you know, and it was just a really nice shared moment. If that was him, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so anyways, that's my two favorite Kobe moments. Yo, what up? It's Wes from We Are Sports, Attack the Room. To me, Kobe represented hard work and just being the epitome of dedication to your craft and, and going at it, I mean, for 20 years or better, actually. And the dopest the same mentality, that same hard work and dedication and pour it into his family. And being able to see that for at least a year off court, you really learned a lot about you know, who we all could, could potentially be. Yeah. All right, Daniel, what's up, brother? Um, this is uh, Rob Parks. Um, it's been a year since Kobe Bryant died. Um, it, I mean, when I heard the news, it was it was unbelievable. I remember I was driving in my car. I was in uh, out in Woodbridge, Virginia, out here in the D.C. area. I was out there. And um, I'm driving in my car. I get to a stoplight, and I probably shouldn't have been doing this, but I look. I glance at my phone. I got a notification on IG, like a message. So I look at the message, and um, the woman that sent it to me, she sent me a screenshot of a TMZ like little graphic saying Kobe Bryant got killed, and she says this true. And I'm looking like, uh, you know, I hope not. I hope it's not true, um, but it was, man. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Like, that feeling I felt, um, I just haven't felt that feeling too many times besides, like, when family members died or, like, maybe when Nipsey Hussle died, man, because uh, that's what I listen to a lot. But Kobe, man, Kobe meant a lot to me, man. Um, that was my personal favorite athlete ever. Um, I grew up watching Kobe Bryant. Um, I remember when he came into the league in 96, and I – you know, I first really saw him play, and I just knew this kid had something special, man. I remember in the 2000 in the finals where he just, you know, took over when Shaq fouled out that game. I think it was like game five or six. No, it was game five or four. I don't remember. But one of those games, uh, Shaq fouled out, and Kobe Bryant just, like, really took over. And I remember my dad. I was watching my dad. My dad was like, that kid is a star, man. And, you know, my dad, he's not going to give you credit unless you're, like, really good, you know. So, um, man, it, it's just sad, man. You just never know when your time is going to come to, you know, leave this earth, man. And, uh, you know, Kobe, you know, he maximizes time on this earth. He put the work in, um, Mamba mentality, man. He just attacked everything, you know, he did from basketball to, you know, writing books to, 
you know, writing screenplays to doing detail with ESPN to, you know, everything he did, he did it um, to his best ability. So um, rather than being sad about Kobe being gone, you know, just take the lesson of, you know, putting your best foot forward into everything, man. And, uh, you know, when he died, man, that made me turn my, you know, own efforts up a notch, man. So... Yeah, man. Um, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, man. It's been a year. Um, you know, we got to keep going, man. We got to keep, you know, living in your your honor, man. Uh, keep his name alive. Keep his legacy alive, y'all. Peace. You know, when I think about Kobe, like, uh, I really just have to do a lot of self-reflection. Um, I know admiring his work ethic and the stuff that he's been able to accomplish has played a big part in me getting up and finding the intrinsic motivation to make things happen myself. Um, he's really changed who I am as a person, you know. Uh, he's really done a lot for me. He's given me a lot of courage. Everything I do, I, I always think about how much I could just do that one more thing just to make it happen, How much do I, how bad do I really want it, you know. I love Kobe. My family loves Kobe. Dwayne Wade is my favorite player, but Kobe is the reason why I find the motivation to push through the difficult times. I appreciate him. God bless and thank you, Dan, for this. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Uh, so first I want to start by thanking Daniel for giving us this platform to really, you know, voice our feelings about Kobe and the personal effects that he has in all of our lives, you know. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to really sum up what he's done for for myself personally because he's, he's done so much for me. And I know that it kind of sounds weird saying that. I know we're all saying what he's done for us, but, you know, we literally, none of us, at least most of us, haven't met him before. But... I, I could say on a personal level, he's done so much for me and he's really given me a reason to take that extra step in accomplishing things that I never thought I'd do. He, he's really like every time I'd find myself telling stories about Kobe, about, you know, how he's taking a bunch of shots, how he's there hours and hours after and hours and hours before. You know, and I'd tell stranger stories about this. Like, like I personally knew Kobe, but the main reason why I did that was because it it inspired me. I just couldn't believe that somebody was able to put in that much work and really put their first foot forward and trying to accomplish their dreams. And it just it reminds you that it's possible. It reminds you that it's. It's possible to put in that extra work. It's possible if you really want to do it, then, you know, you will do whatever it takes. And this dude took whatever, he did whatever it took. And it always sat with me just in terms of how bad do I really want it? When I'm tired, when I'm sad, when I'm without, I always had to ask myself how bad do I really want it? And I, there's times where 
I'd go and read Kobe articles for motivation. I'd go on YouTube looking at Kobe videos. I'd look at the stories that when he was in the Olympics. I'd go look at the stories of what he'd do in practice. I'd watch when he practiced with all with those uh with that team with uh Nick Young and Jeremy Lin, Jordan Hill. I'd watch those practices when he was going off. And that faces that he'd make everything that he did, it stuck with me. And you know, it stuck with my family too. My mo- my mom would even talk about these stories. That's how much I talk about these stories because it inspired me so much, and it really brought a new light to me. I was I've always been somewhat of an introvert, and I've always been afraid to try new things. But when I see how he did this the day in and day out, it made me just be like. What am I afraid of, you know? What am I afraid of? I can't be afraid of success. I can't be afraid of these things. If I want to try, I got to do it all the way. I can't, you know, do it partially. I got to do it all the way. I got to put in the work. I got to put in the time. I got to put in the dedication. Where am I at mentally? How am I able to go ahead and put all these things into one item in order to come up with the greatest creation? And that's what I think of when I think about Kobe. I think about somebody that puts in the work and that puts in the dedication and the time, the blood, sweat, and tears, and is able to come up with a successful outcome. And even if it's not successful, he can say that he put his hardest. He can say that he did the, the most that he ever could do. He can't say that he left something away, that he held something back. He can say that he did everything that he did to make it happen. So it makes me ask myself, why can't I? So when I think about what, why, when I'm able to do these things, I know I have the tools, but sometimes I stop myself. But then I think about how Kobe had these tools and he didn't stop. He knew he was able to do it. He just needed to do it. So when I think about Kobe, I think about how it's always possible no matter what obstacles in front of me. Just want to say thank you, Kobe. I love you. Um, you mean so much to me. It's sad that you're not here with us physically. Same with Gigi. But I know that you're watching us. You're doing what you can to make sure that we're all okay. And I appreciate you. Hi, this is Dave Shore. I spent almost six seasons traveling with Kobe and the Lakers. My vantage point was listening into the huddle during timeouts for my sideline reports. Kobe was fierce. He asked for the ball, instructed teammates what he would need and what they would need to do, and he wasn't afraid to speak up if they weren't doing the right thing in that time before the coaches arrive in the huddle. He could joke and have fun, but when he had the uniform on, it was all serious business. One of the biggest things, and I had also traveled with Dirk Nowitzki when I was with the Mavericks, is the true thing that made a superstar like Kobe special was No matter what time we would get to a city the night before, he would grab a staff member and head over to the arena to put some shots up while everyone else was going to their rooms. Kobe's work ethic was unmatched, and I'll never forget the hair standing on the back of my neck when he came out to shoot those free throws after tearing his Achilles. He was enjoying his post-career work and so sad that his life was cut short. Kobe's definitely one of the greatest players of all time. His excellence, tenacity, uh, his work ethic... 
But for me, it's it's especially uh, two things. One, he was just an all-in kind of guy. You know, when he was a player, he was all in on being a player. And when he was retired, he was all in on everything else he was doing, from from deer basketball to the stuff he was doing with this, uh, the female basketball especially. And I think that's the one thing for me that's inspired me most, uh, being a father of three daughters, um, you know, knowing what he was trying to do for women's basketball. You know, I've been inspired to kind of carry that torch a little bit on my own and um and drive women's basketball even harder and, and i'm excited to do that uh via our florida flight basketball academy we're putting together an all-girls team now uh and uh and really trying to teach the game and, and looking at the girls as a you know as an opportunity to grow the women's game uh and, and be creative and inspiring and work hard and see what they can do um there's a there's a helicopter uh, pad next to a court we play around my house. It's actually behind the hospital. And I remember the day after uh, I was out shooting around and uh, the helicopter had started to take off. And it was just a somber, sad moment for me. It really, really teared me up and gave me chills just to know that, you know, that the way Kobe passed um you know, such a legend and in such a such a crazy scenario. But um, and you know, we see that helicopter all the time when we're playing over there in Longwood, Florida, and uh, I I don't think we'll ever forget it. It'll always be a, a reminder for me of uh, you know, for me, I th- I think about it. You know, as the helicopter goes up and and as a helicopter crash was the way Kobe died, I try to uh, look at that helicopter as a way to raise. My, myself up rise to that standard of excellence that Kobe had in his work ethic tenacity excellence uh so it's so it's a good reminder for me uh in his death uh R.I.P. Black Mamba yeah, GG and, and and all the others uh you'll never be forgotten all right so Mr. Kobe Bryant man I'm 25 years old right now so I was about five years old when Shaq and Kobe won their first ring I used to watch it with my grandpa on the VCR tapes, and my grandpa would always be like, Kobe, Kobe's the one, Kobe's next, Kobe's next, right? So I only grew to that. Uh, growing into my, you know, first grade up until eighth grade, uh, I didn't have much friends, so all I would do personally was I can't wait to get home and watch Kobe. He was kind of like my best friend. He, you know, he, he gave me confidence. You know, he gave me all those spectacular shots. He gave me focus, determination. Um, everything about him was about family, so I learned a lot from him, right? But Kobe definitely was a best friend to me growing up. Um, I used to roll up socks, put the laundry bin in the middle of my parents' bed. You already know, man, I broke my parents' bed twice. I used to reenact every dunk, every layup, every fadeaway, every, dude, everything, right? So that that's how I grew up to Kobe. Um, he, he was literally my best friend, man. Kobe being Bryant, the Black Mamba. You showed me that Mamba mentality is real and you need hard work and dedication to reach your goals. In 96, your rookie year, I was there when you played against Michael Jordan in Chicago and you showed glimpses there. From there, you went on to have an illustrious 20-year career, being an 18-time All-Star, 15-time member of the All-NBA team, 12-time member of the All-Defensive team, 2008, most valuable player, two times final MVP. You also led the league in score twice and ranked fourth all time in scoring, regular season and postseason. And those five championships, can't forget about those. Myself, Wayne Slappy, and Jelly Bean Bryant still talks about you to this day. 
was watching Tony's Parker documentary and can't believe that you're gone. It's like you're still here, man. So I want to say RIP to Kobe Bean Bryant. And this is coming from Chris Mills of the Mills Lane Podcast on 265 Media. What's good? This is Abdul from Houston, Texas. I just wanted to say a few words about Kobe Bryant. It could take hours to list your accomplishments. You were a multiple-time NBA champion, a multiple-time NBA All-Star. Hell, you even won an Oscar. But your greatest achievements were off the field. You were an amazing husband and an amazing father. You raised four amazing and beautiful daughters, including the late Gianna. I just wanted to say, Kobe and Gianna Bryant, we miss you. And Mamba forever. Mamba out. So you don't forget the day when a man like Kobe dies. So just like last year, I'm going to take this day to reflect on what the Copesters really means to me. So I was lucky enough to grow up in the Kobe era. Now, most players my age, they either loved him or hated him. For me, I was never really a fanatic growing up, but I can definitely vividly remember staying up late, laying the opposite way in my bed, you know, with your head towards the end of the bed. I don't know why I did that. It was weird, but... (laughs) Um, and watching Kobe in those late-night West Coast games. Now, I had other favorite players, obviously, growing up, but uh, don't get me wrong, I watched plenty of Kobe. And it, it's, uh, it's weird, though. So the older I got and the further I got into my basketball career, like in my 30s, playing pro ball overseas, the more I actually wanted to be like Kobe. You know, it made you feel like a kid again. But I had no choice because he was, you know, that one dude left from our era that was still playing and playing on a crazy high level, giving cats the business. He really outlasted everyone else in the league and just kept dominating, man. So, you know, as I grew older and that last season, um, 2016, it was Kobe's last season, I decided to wear number 24 for Kobe. And I was playing in Italy that season, and, man, it was crazy. It was Kobe's last year in the league. His last game, you know, when he scored 60, that was insane. I can remember I stayed up till 3 a.m., you know, and I remember watching or looking out every, uh, looking out my window and seeing every household across the street. They all were awake. The lights were on. It was 3 a.m., and you could see Kobe on their screen. That, man, that was such a crazy feeling, being over there and just feeling that because, uh, you know, Kobe grew up there. So with that, you know, like I said, you people either hated him or loved him, but especially now, damn it, you you definitely got to respect that man. So with that, I got to say thanks, Kobe. Peace, what's happening? This is Black John Jay, a.k.a. Kev Love, a.k.a. Kevin Minical, and I'm on the Daniel Artest podcast speaking about Kobe Bryant. Yeah, rest in peace to Kobe. Uh, you know, Kobe meant everything to me. He was the ultimate, you know, I identified with him, you know, from the jump, you know, from his teenage years to, you know, his career after his basketball retirement as a writer into film and into storytelling. You know, I identified with his tenacity, you know, his, he was on a mission, you know, um, his craftsmanship, his, his showmanship. He wanted all the smoke. He was he was built for the bright lights. When he was on the stage, you got your you got your money's worth. He performed night in and night out. And it's gotta show love and say rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. Love you. Think about there's not a day that goes by where I don't think about you. Rest in peace to Kobe, Gigi, and everyone lost in an accident. Kobe Bryant forever. Peace. Kobe Bryant. To me, Kobe Bryant was 
the closest thing I have ever seen to Michael Jordan. As far as being a, a player who would just put a team on his back offensively and score a large percentage of his team's points and just take over a game completely scoring-wise while still doing it efficiently and also leading his team to victory, uh, not just in the regular season, but the playoffs and also ultimately the NBA Finals. You know, his moves, you know, he he emulated clearly Michael Jordan, uh, studied Michael's game, um, but many people have tried to do that. Uh, but Kobe Bryant was really the only one who succeeded um, in taking Michael's game and truly incorporating it into his own. Uh, even the mannerisms, uh, which is kind of funny if you look at some of the stuff, the fist pump and, you know, some of the other things that he did, jumping on the scores table and everything, uh, very Michael-like. Um, but, you know, I don't know if that was done on purpose or if it was just he picked it up because he studied Michael's game so much. Um, either way, didn't matter. He still got the job done in a way that, that was very reminiscent of the GOAT. And I think in some ways, especially early in his career, in the middle of his career, that Kobe Bryant was really underappreciated as a basketball player for his greatness because too many people saw him as like being a Jordan copycat or maybe some people thought he was, you know, it was too soon after Michael because Kobe Bryant, you know, came like right after Jordan's, you know, era and, you know, people, some people, I think in their minds, it didn't, you know, it didn't seem right that they were seeing that kind of greatness again, you know, uh, that shortly after Michael. But um, I think towards the end of Kobe's career, uh, he was definitely getting the appreciation and the respect that, you know, he deserved um, early in the in the middle of his career. Um, and, and it was fantastic to see. I have my one personal moment with, with Kobe Bryant uh, I shared with Daniel. Um, I was finally, uh, I finally got up and got up to, to getting myself out to LA. This is when Daniel was living with Ron, uh, out with, uh, in LA when, uh, he was, you know, with the Lakers and I managed to get out there for a weekend. I flew out to LA and had tickets to the, um, the LA Lakers, Golden State Warriors game and also the Spurs game, Daniel's favorite team, uh, after that. So I get out to L.A. and I meet up with Daniel outside the Staples Center and we go in to the Staples Center through, you know, the players' entrance and everything and we go to our seats. And this is the first time I've ever been in the Staples Center. It's the first time I ever saw Kobe Bryant play and he was every bit, you know, what I expected, you know, as being the competitor out there. Um he had a great game. Uh, I know that it was during a year where Kobe's they were really he, he was he played a lot of minutes by that by that point you know in the in the season, and uh, this game you know he entered a mode where you know Stephen Curry was ridiculously hot that game. That's what a lot of people forget about it. Um, that there was really kind of Stephen Curry's you know coming out party in that game. Uh, he had forty seven points. 
I remember was sitting with uh with Quasi and 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 uh Ron uh Jr. Ron uh Ron's son and they were actually debating whether you know Steph was the best player in the NBA and I laughed that off. I was like you guys are crazy. <laughs> you know, but you know little did I know a few years later that Steph would be the unanimous NBA MVP and maybe that comment wasn't as stupid as it sounded at the time by digress. Um, but Steph had, like I said, 47 points that game, uh, could not miss every time he went up for a shot, the Staples center groaned. It was that, it was that kind of feel for Steph that game. Uh, Kobe, you know, as he usually did really took over the game in the second half and led the Lakers back. And it it was, you know, it just, it, it was just his will, his competitiveness that was really coming out that game that was on full display. And, you know, I remember, you know, right before he tore his Achilles, he had a three from up top that had to be at least three feet behind the three-point line. Just Kobe was was going to try to single-handedly will the, the Lakers to victory that game. And I remember the, the move where Kobe tore his Achilles, um, he was being guarded by Harrison Barnes. And he went, you know, by Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes didn't even touch him. and uh, But Kobe fell down. And the official called a foul. And I remember Daniel and I were actually laughing about it at the time, you know, because, you know, Harrison Barnes didn't even touch him, you know, but he still got the foul call. And it's like, oh, Kobe, you know, got that phantom call there. He just tripped and he got a phantom call. And then, you know, he's on the ground and he's grabbing his leg and, you know, around the, the ankle area. And, you know, when you're at the game, you're not getting the benefit of replay and court li- courtside commentary. And, uh, you know, when you don't have that, you don't get reports from, you know, the doctors and everything, you don't know what's going on when you're actually sitting at the game. And I thought that Kobe had just tweaked his ankle, you know, especially since he got up and kind of gingerly walked back to the L.A. Lakers huddle. And so we're wondering, I wonder if Kobe's okay. We're wondering if Kobe's okay. Then Kobe comes out to shoot the free throws, okay? And I'm like, oh, he must be okay. He's coming out to shoot the free throws. <clears throat> and um, so he, he goes out there, he hobbles out there, he shoots the free throws, and then he gets, like, literally helped off the court. And at that point, that's when we first realized this is a little bit more serious than what it looks. We had, still had no idea it was an Achilles. At the time, I thought maybe he just had a really, really badly sprained ankle was what I thought was going on. And, you know, the Lakers end up winning the game, Uh you know, and then, but there's, you know, the, the, the mood in Staples Center was definitely bittersweet. And uh, after the game, uh, Daniel and I go down to the Lakers family room, which is, you know, where the Lakers players and families, you know, and some celebrities come in there to hang out. They have like a buffet, you know, before the game and at halftime and all that. And um, I remember, you know, the, the guy who told us that, you know, that he tore his Achilles, it was Steve Blake uh, coming in to the family room and he just looked at us and just shook his head and says, you know, he's done. I was like, what do you mean he's done? It's like, and Kobe tore his Achilles. And we're like, what? <laughs> and at that point, you know, Daniel and I were speculating after the game, whether we had just seen Kobe Bryant play on the basketball court for the final time, where, you know, because Achilles injuries are just hell to come back from, you know, it's, you know, they're, they're, they're not easy. And Kobe at the time was 34 and, had already played so many minutes. I mean, we didn't know, you know, we thought there was a very real possibility that Kobe might just call the career right then and there. And obviously that didn't happen. He came back, but he was never the same after that. You know, you know, even a 60 point game, you know, 
if you look at the first half, it's just, I mean, it, he looked bad. Like, just he was just chucking. But then he found something in the second half and made it a historic night, you know, scoring the 60 points in his last game as an NBA player. Uh, absolutely one of the best ways to go out I can ever imagine. Um, but, you know, that game, you know, notwithstanding, um, in the rest of his career after the Achilles injury, he never got the explosiveness back. He never got... He never got he never got it back, you know. Uh, so I feel privileged to be able to see Kobe, you know, play, you know, at, at at his you know highest level, you know, before the Achilles tendon injury. Uh, I caught him barely in time, obviously, but uh, that was a, that was a night that that I'll never forget, and um, it was definitely surreal then, and it still is surreal just just thinking about it. Um, it was crazy, so. Yeah, that's my thoughts on Kobe. Um, Daniel, I hope that isn't too long. So I'll let you go. I see it's coming up at the nine-minute mark, so I think that's playing long enough. So, uh, But, yeah, that's my thoughts on Kobe. Man, talking about Kobe, uh, you know, being from California, being a Lakers fan, um, it's actually funny. I wasn't a, a big Kobe fan at first, but when I actually sit, sit down and watch his highlights and studied him man he, how could you not love kobe you know he uh had great footwork um you know was fired up fiery you know great leader very intense um held his teammates accountable um and whatever he held them accountable for he did himself um you know and just was a winner you know got five championships uh you know probably missed out on a couple mvps but you know he left a huge legacy in today's game G'day Daniel, it's Pat here from Australia uh, Thanks for giving me the opportunity to share my thoughts on Kobe I've been a Lakers fan since 91 So I remember Kobe being drafted in 96 um, All the great years with Shaq and the championships were amazing um, But I think my, my favourite memory of Kobe is the 2010 finals Game 7, wasn't shooting the ball well um, But contributed by, to the team by rebounding And then you know started hitting him in the 4th to give us another chip Um yeah, it's really sad that he's gone. I still can't believe it. Um, made it even more shocking that um, he left us with his little girl. Um, it was great seeing him at games and, and being involved in, in the, the Young Girls League and stuff like that. Um, Kobe wasn't perfect. No one is. Um, he had a lot of pressure on him from a pretty young age and a lot of expectations. And I think we forget sometimes what that sort of pressure is on, on these young players, you know, the young guys facing all this sort of this pressure and this adversity. So, um, gone, but never forgotten legend, uh, Kobe love him. Thanks, man. This is very of the no-look pass. Um, it's still really difficult to talk about Chloe Bryant even one year after he passed because um, it, was, it was felt all over L.A., all over the basketball world, all over the world about his loss. Um, and the fact that for me, it's like it's, it's, it makes me feel so moral because he's only three months older than I was, you know? So um, still, uh, you can't help but admire all he did for, for, for the game of basketball and what he was doing. After he left basketball, um, he was still doing great things, but it seemed like it was all for his family and how proud he was to be a girl dad. So um, I said the la- I said this last year, but the best tribute I can give for all of that pa- all of that passed away for Kobe and Gianna. Um, continue to live life the best I can, and I don't I don't have any daughters, but 
I'll do my best to be a girl uncle for my nieces. Thanks, Kobe, for everything. Kobe was not only a great basketball player who showed next-level fight and determination on the basketball court, but he was also a great example of those qualities off the court. When I finally got my hands on Legacy and the Queen, the breadth of knowledge and support I found he was leaving for us and the Queens to come was indelible. He lived as a man who could be held accountable and wanted to improve in every aspect of his life. He set an example for the black family to follow now and forever. The love he showed to his family and his ability to balance his dreams, fatherhood, and husbandhood should be a thriving blueprint for all the men in the black community. And this is what I will miss most. The walking example of love and support without wondering about cred or image or a facade. Mamba mentality is a lifestyle, not just a movement or a tagline. So with each day that I breathe and write, I live to advance our community the way Kobe did, filling the gap in the places where we lack. I will forever be indebted to him for embodying a passion and drive that I could model myself in relationships and businessships thereafter. His stamp on elevating the culture and family unit will never be forgotten. Thank you will never be enough. Dear Kobe, it's hard to believe that it's been one year since you and your beautiful Gigi passed away. There's not a day in my life where I don't think about you. You are one of my biggest heroes and uh, my favorite players of all time. Thank you for giving us the greatest memories of my life. Uh, I'll never forget the buzzer beaters, the, the championships, and the accomplishments that you have achieved. You are one of the greatest role models in the history of the world, and there will never be another Kobe Bryant. Love you, Kobe. This is Tati Abedje, your biggest friend from DMV. My thoughts on Kobe are happy thoughts because I grew up with Kobe and he was like the first player that I got a chance to claim as like almost an idol. Like my first basketball memories were with Magic Johnson and Dr. J and Larry Bird in that era. But those were like my parents' favorite players. It introduced me to the game of basketball, but they weren't like my guys. When Kobe announced his entering into the draft, I was watching that. And I saw a brash, young, arrogant, probably very egotistical young man who thought very highly of himself. High enough that he could come into the league at his age and make a difference. He didn't know when he would make that difference, but he knew he could make a difference. And I appreciated that. And over the course of his career, he made us all see the difference that he would make. Kobe was a bright and shining star, and I'm glad that I got to witness his 20-year career live on television, live in person. I'm glad that I grew up a Laker fan. I'm glad that he became a Laker. I'm glad that he overcame all of his obstacles, all of his injuries, and those are some of the things that pushed me. Uh, you know, there were times in my life where I would 
have issues or I would have troubles and I would think, what would Kobe do? And then I kind of laugh it off because I knew he would laugh it off. Um, so, you know, I just really have an appreciation for his work ethic and the way he was able to outdo himself at times. And I'm really appreciative of him and all that he did for the game of basketball and all that he did for the Los Angeles Lakers. And my heart and my prayers go out to Vanessa and all of the families. And I guess that's it. Hey, what's up, Daniel? This is Edwin from the Daily Laker podcast. And first, I just wanted to say thank you for creating this segment in regard to Kobe Bryant. And for me specifically, I do have to thank Kobe Bryant for being who he was as a basketball player and as a role model for myself. Because when I was younger, when I was in high school, he was somebody that I looked up to and seeing the way that he performed on the court and his leadership motivated me to stay out of trouble and stay away from drugs and from gangs. And it made me focus on also playing basketball for uh, my high school and also for um, after school programs with my friends. And so uh, Kobe Bryant is somebody that I definitely miss. And uh, I hope that everybody remembers him for all the happiness that he brought to LA. Hey Daniel, what's going on? Hey, uh, I just wanted to chime in and uh, kind of express uh, and tell you or, or just tell you about my experience uh, working with KB. Um, I had the uh, the privilege and the honor to work with uh, KB as an international trainer with the Los Lakers for nine seasons with them. Um, I was present during two uh, levels, two, two most recent championships along brother Meta while he was there also. The the, the one thing I'm, I'm very grateful for is that I would have the opportunity to witness firsthand what, you know, a lot of people see from the outside and have somewhat of an understanding what this mama mentality is and KB, you know, how KB approached that. And a lot of people do understand that, you know, mom mentality is kind of that hard work, uh, all the effort, be the first one in, the last one out to have a thing in the gym and wait for all that stuff. But what I experienced the mom mentality is that it's more of a mindset that, that, that has and he has, he's had and he, he kind of portrays it and try to instill on, on his teammates and, and also on, on everybody, so, so to speak. Um, you know, the one thing about KV is that he expected everybody to bring their A game, to elevate their, up to their A game, whether it's teammates, whether the coaches. When I say everybody, I'm talking about everybody in the organization. I'm talking about up to the equipment manager, to the training staff, to security, to the ticket sales people. Um, everybody was supposed to bring up their, their A game. Um, but you know, the, the mom mentality is the approach, your mindset approach to the game or anything in life in general, and I think that's the one thing why he was so successful in everything and everything that he did, is that understanding that there are going to be roadblocks, understanding that there's going to be obstacles in your way, and you have the option either, one, shining away from it, two, going around it, or three, 
going right through it and approaching it head on. And I think that's kind of what the mom mentality was uh, on KB. Uh, you know, I'll give you a prime example where uh, the year that we won the championship, uh, KB midseason ended up with having called an older fracture in his index finger of his shooting hand. Majority of the players would probably be like, that's it, I'm done. I can't grip the ball, I can't move, I can't shoot, and I'll kind of either call it quits, have surgery, and be done for the year. KB, on the other hand, saw this as an obstacle. Okay, here's a roadblock. How am I going to go right through this thing? So he came the next day and uh, you know checked up his finger um, he goes on into the court and starts shooting the ball um, you know the first one he kind of misses after a while starts making one two and then he starts making several in a row and after that you know you, you can kind of see his mind just kind of like working and as soon as he makes a bunch of shots you, you can tell he kind of like you know figured it, figured it out put the ball down all right, let's say it goes back to the locker room and then wait for practice. They kind of come back, and then from then on, kept playing, kept participating in practice, and we won the championship that, that year with them with his fingers. So that's why if you ever go look at the, 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 the pictures of him holding the uh, Larry O'Brien trophy or even his MVP trophy, his index finger, his right hand, his shooting hand has it taped up because, because of that. But but that's kind of like what, what the, the mama mentality is from what I experienced, and uh, like I mentioned earlier, is that I also got, I guess, an opportunity to experience it myself. So my, my first year with the organization, I'm rookie assistant athletic trainer. We're on the road. He calls us up, looking for something to get done. Um, and, uh, you know, granted, we're on the road, so we're limited resources. We're not at home. We're not have access to a full training room. We don't have access to everything. And obviously my first response is like, KB, dude, you know, we're on the road. What do you want me to do? Um, so to, you know, not to tell you exactly what he said, but in, in keep a show, we basically told me on the phone and told us, he's like, Hey, you know what? I don't want to know how rough the waters are. I just want to know when the boat gets, let me know when the boat gets in. Right. It took me a second to realize, all right, you know, this is the Lakers. This is the NBA. He expects everybody to bring their A game. So I had to do my job, get it done. And from there on, that's when I realized, okay, this is what the mom mentality is. It's not just only, you know, him bringing his A game, but expecting everybody to bring their A game so we can be a winning organization, winning team type of thing. And that's who he was. You know, uh, a couple of years later, actually just a few, few years ago, I was reading a book called uh, Obstacle is the Way. And it talks about how if you end up with the uh, a boulder in front of you, Again, you have a couple options. You can either shy away from it. So I'm going to say, you know, this is your path. Can't move the obstacle. Going to go. That's it. I'm done. Go opposite direction. Or let me see if I can squeeze around it as much as I can or go right through it. And as I was reading this book, I'm like, dude, this book is almost a autobiography of KB and the bomb mentality. It's approaching stuff head on, not fearing it. Understanding that it's going to be there and going right, right to it and battling it type of thing. Um, I'll give you uh, one more other example. So the year that he tore his Achilles tendon, um, you know, you and Daniel being, you know, had played, played basketball, um, and most fans don't know this, this thing, is that there's a rule in the NBA that if you get fouled and get hurt, and you leave the game before you shoot your free th- two free throws, or even a front free throw, 
you're not allowed to return back into the game. So KV ruptures Achilles tendon, and his mind, and this is what it refers to as my mentality, majority of players with with an Achilles rupture, knowing that you have an Achilles rupture, like I said, I'm done. There's no way I'm going to be able to complain. I've got to get surgery. The season's done. But not KB. Of course, KB goes and shoots his free throws. Because in his mind, he's thinking, all right, let me shoot these free throws, go back into the training room, see what we can do, and see if I can come back into the game. Now, granted, there was a .0001 chance or even less than that he was able to come back and play, but because there was that one small probability, tiny probability, in his mind of trying to figure out a way, in his mind, hey, here's the odd obstacle. I got to see what are my options, what can I do to kind of head on and see if I can still kind of overcome it. Went and shot his free throws, went to the training room, stopped his examined, we examined him, and finally, you know, I concluded that he has this rupture, there's no way to come back, shut it down, and that's it. But the fact that in his mind thought, hey, you know what, I can do this, and that is kind of the model mentality. Um, and I'm very appreciative that I was able to experience that firsthand there in the training room, being around him, um, and, you know, where most people were able to kind of just hear from outside. Now, as far as his, you know, um, his death with the helicopter, that kind of, just like everybody else, was, was a shocker. You know, being around KB, he, he kind of gave this persona of being invincible and destructible, so to speak, you know. Whether, you know, during games, whether we're down by 20, by 30, by 1, doesn't matter. As long as KB's on the court, we all knew that we had a chance. KB was going to bring his A game. He was going to win the game for us type of thing. That, that's who KB was. And I still remember the, that day where I think I was in my backyard. And all of a sudden, my phone just goes off. Text after text, bing, 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 one after another, one after another. I'm like, what the heck? So I look at it, and I get, you know, people, former, former Laker players, coaches, everybody texting me, hey, is it true? Is it true? Is it true? And I'm like, what's true? So I, I go, it's like, KB, KB. I'm like, what? So I go, you know, online, and I, I look at these reports, and obviously I see TMZ kind of reports on this first. So I'm like, okay, that can't be true. TMZ, right? It's TMZ. So I waited. And, uh, you know, a few minutes later, a eyewitness news reports on it. CNN has reporting on it. Washington Post reports on it. And that's when it's like, it's like, oh, shit. This is legit. This is real. Um, and like I said, it, it took me a while. And, and, and to be honest with you, I, I don't know if I'm still quite there to the point that I've acknowledged it. Because I still expect them to kind of, you know, still see him on TV and stuff like that. Just like I said. KB was KB, and the persona that he portrayed was being invincible and destructible in anything he did, whether it was on the court, off the court, um, everywhere he went. That was KB. So, um, so that's kind of my experience with them. And like I said, I'm, I'm grateful and honored to have the privilege to um, be able to be around him for nine years, work with him, learn from him, and you know, him also having the change uh change my life and change my approach to having that mom mentality so all right daniel take care appreciate you bye it's ricky from long island new york what kobe mean to me man honestly he the goat i'll argue that any day determination never giving up never quit you know like i went through things in life 
and Kobe watching Kobe play, watching the Lakers play, helped me get through. And like he, like I could see honestly, he saved my life, and and I'm forever thankful. I was able to witness 20 years of greatness, and he just he showed me that no matter how hard things get in life, you never give up, you never quit, and the things we see him doing the court. I could just only imagine what he was going to do in his second act, you know, after retirement. Because what he was going to do, he was going to change the game, period. Just in life, period. The woman's game, everything. And I'm just thankful that we had him for 20 years on the, on the court and everything he was doing off the court. Mamba forever. What's up, Daniel? What's up to the Daniel Artes podcast, man? I want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to speak on your podcast about Kobe. Um, as I said, and um, I don't know if you were there when I spoke on Clubhouse just now in the We Are Sports room, but um, as I said, I'm, I'm not a, I was never a Kobe fan. He's more like a super villain to me. But when I say I respect this guy as, as a basketball player, like, it, like I can't say that any more than that. Um, I, I'm a, I love the game of basketball. I'm, I think I'm more than a basketball fan. I'm a basketball enthusiast. And Kobe was the epitome of a basketball player so like it was always love and respect there um also man you know i became a fan of him as a human being after after he retired and i saw him with his daughter and when he was you know working with her and you know i didn't really buy into the the girl dad thing i didn't know about that till after he passed away but as a father of a daughter of, of, of being tasked with raising a black woman um, seeing Kobe with his daughters and how he was, was like really dope to me. And so that made me a fan of him as a human being, as a man off the court and way bigger than it was, ever was as him as a basketball fan, because, you know, basketball is competition. We juxtapose ourselves against our, our favorite players versus players on teams we don't like or whatever. So um, just want to celebrate his life and what he did as a human being and him as a father and a, and a husband and hate to say, you know, I wish we could have seen what he was going to grow into off the court. But once again, man, thank you for this. Um, you know, your family, man, you've been supporting our podcast. I mean, our, our, our room, our club, we are sports and attack the rim on clubhouse. So we appreciate you, man. I appreciate you for doing this and to give us a chance to speak to him. Peace. Thanks for having me on, DA. This is Chris from the NBA on CH. Reminiscing about Kobe Bryant, I can't help but think about that game against the Miami Heat in 2011, March 10th or March 11th. He lost to Dwayne Wade. Uh, instead of going about his night, he stayed in the arena till after midnight practicing that corner shot. Uh, just the dedication to crafting his game will be sorely missed and, and remarkably unparalleled except to those who are the grace of the game. R.I.P. Kobe Bryant. Uh, thanks, D.A., for having me on. To me, Kobe Bryant will always forever be the greatest two-guard to ever exist. I remember when he didn't get many minutes off the bench, and then he became a scoring machine, whether he scored 81 points and then followed that up against the Knicks with 41 he was the greatest player to ever live, and he is the greatest player in my heart being a Lakers fan. And it's sad, it was sad the day that he died, I couldn't stop crying for a whole week. And today, 
I watched a whole highlight reel of every one of his achievements in NBA history, and I just broke down crying because I miss him so much. Black Mamba is one of the greatest players that I've ever seen, and I've lived through the Jordan era, the Kobe era, and the current dynasty with LeBron. He will forever be missed, and I pray and wish him and his family well. In life, death, rest in peace to him and Gianna and... Where do I begin? First of all, we miss you, Kobe. I miss you so much. Um, I started looking up to Kobe as a little jit growing up in Richmond, Virginia, as a classically trained dancer. Wasn't any black dancers for me to look up to in that realm. And so I looked up to Kobe and his mama mentality and his work ethic and the fact that he was so young and what he was doing. Um, I then went on to Florida State. <laughs> My whole college dorm was like purple and gold, Kobe posters everywhere. And after I graduated, uh, the plan was to pursue Broadway. And I finally made my Broadway debut um, January 24th, 2020. And two days later after my debut, you passed away. Um, it killed me. It devastated me because I just knew you were going to come to the show. Two days before that, Magic had come to the show and they came backstage and we met Magic and Cookie. And I was like, oh my God, Kobe's going to come. I finally get to meet him. I finally get to tell him he helped get me here and his mentality. And then, uh, yeah. So, uh, Kobe, you mean so much to me. Um, on your birthday, this past year, I got my first ever and my only tattoo of a Mamba 8 um, with a 2 and a 4 in the middle. And uh saw my ankle, you know, dancer. So um, I will remember you always, and we miss you, Kobe. We miss you so much. This is Al with What the Grit. Big shout-outs to my man, Daniel Artest, for having this platform. Remembering Kobe Bryant. I just want to say that Kobe was a great basketball player. Watching him grow on the court and off the court was something that I I think that none of us will ever forget. Uh, to me, he's actually on my top five of that Mount Rushmore. Uh, he will be dearly missed. Um, big shout-outs to the Bryan family. Uh, big shout out to the other members of that horrific accident that day. And, uh, you know, Mamba mentality is alive and well. We love you, Kobe. You met a world piece here. Kobe Bryant was just a really extraordinary, you know, uh, person. He also was, as we know, ultimate competitor. Definitely evolved as a citizen, human, um, an extraordinary writer, transcendent basketball, and a great person. Focus, inspiring, relentless, fundamentals, compassionate, passionate, sharing, a warrior, arguably one of the greatest. I wish he was here to argue it himself. When you talk about some of the greatest, He's there.